Good to see all of you. Go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter number one. We started last week and we shared a little bit about this book, about the fact that it's a book of joy. We looked at the joy that is described, destroyed. We looked at joy stealers. We see a joy that is determined. I did not get my outline to Jason. I'm going to start doing that next week and we'll have that up there for you. But um, Paul, as we get ready to read these verses, as I said last week, Paul loved these people. He loved these people, and it must have brought great joy to these people as Paul is 800 miles away in prison, and he sends them a letter. Hadn't been there in 10 years. And you see here, we're going to look at several things. The secret to joy is having a single mind solely focused on Christ. You can write that down. A single, uh, the, let me say it again. And these are not my words. The secret to joy is having a single mind solely focused on Jesus. And that's from Warren Wiersbe. The verse says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ is used 18 times and the gospel is used six times. I say these things so as you read it, these words will pop out of the page. So chapter 1, let's read verse 1 all the way down through verse 11. Verse 1, begin reading, says, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, even as, it, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace." For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Brother Benny, take us to the Lord in prayer, please. Amen. Thank you, Benny. Christ, as I said, is used 18 times. The gospel's mentioned six times. Paul was saying, and I said this last week, and we're going to say it as we go through the whole book. Paul was saying that no matter the circumstances that was coming his way, he said, I will have joy in Jesus. Now, in our text, we're going to notice that Paul uses the word fellowship three times. It's very important. I want to give you three phrases. And when I bring out these words, these, are, these, are, these help me as I study. And so I want you to notice these words as you study, and I believe it will help you. The first thing I want to look at is he says in verse 3, all the way down through 6, he uses the phrase, I have you in my mind. What does this mean, preacher? It's a good lesson for us to remember to think of others. Think of 
others. What's wrong with our world today? People's thinking of themselves. What's wrong with our churches today? People are thinking of themselves. We need to think of others. Now, the Apostle Paul here, as he awaited his trial in Rome, he was, uh, his mind went back to Philippi. And I shared this last week, and I'm not going to go to Acts 16, but if you're writing down, Acts 16 is where the church of Philippi began. He remembered the jailer. Remember the jailer? Remember Paul and Silas were in jail there in chapter 16? And everything happened, and the, the locks came off of their arms, their, their feet. And in that time, if they lost a prisoner... The jailer was going to be killed. But what happened? Paul said, hang on. We're all here. We're all here. And from that moment on, the jailer and his house were saved. He remembered Lydia there by the, the riverbank. He remembered the little demon-possessed girl as well. These things bring him joy. They bring him joy. What you need to understand, and, and it brings me joy when I think of Certain folks I've pastored, not everybody I've pastored, certain folks I've pastored through the years, amen, Miss Preacher's wife, there's certain people that you, you just think about and you just smile. You just think about. I, I, we were talking about this guy last night. His name was Robert. He was a little guy that lived up from the church where we were in Rossville, and he walked. He was in his 70s, and my little teacher wife said he was autistic, which he probably was. And he lived with a family, but he was, he was a character, and he didn't really mean to be. He had no sense of humor, but we brought it out in him. He was cross-eyed, but they went this way. So anytime he was talking, you had to kind of get figure out where he was looking at because you didn't know who he was talking to. But he always called everybody the wrong name, everybody. He would call her Seth. I mean, it just, it, but when I think of him, we were talking about him last night. Seth said, Dad, I miss old Robert. Because now, th this is, I'm going to chase a rabbit, but I'm going to get back here in just a minute. During COVID, he would not come at all. I get it. I understand that. But one day, he's walking in the middle of Hogan Road. That is a death trap. One of the deacons said, Robert, we missed you. He said, I'm not coming since COVID. He said, well, I tell you what, you may not come because of COVID, but you're going to die out here in the road because you're walking in the middle of the road. But he, when I think of Robert, I think of, I think of the things he used to do, and it brings me joy. When you think of somebody that you've been with, maybe here at church, maybe somewhere else, maybe at work, maybe one of your family members, it brings you joy. And this is where, this is where Paul was. This is where Paul was. It, it's, what brings me joy is seeing a young lady that hasn't been at church in 10 years, Sunday morning. The devil tried his best, but he lost. And she walked down here to this altar and was squalling her eyes out, saying, I got to do better. I want to make a change. I want to make a change. And you pray for Heather. If she's watching, that's good. But you pray for her because it took a lot to get her back in church. You know, church hurt is real. And they were church hurt for whatever reason. But that brings me joy. As a pastor, numbers, sure, I like numbers. I like all that. But what brings me joy is somebody saying, devil, you're not going to win today. Y'all hearing me? 
Devil, you're not going to win. Because she told me she walked in. She said, the, the devil's already tried to stop it. I said, you're here. So forget about him because he doesn't matter. That brings me joy. What brings you joy? I love when people give their life to Jesus. I love when people get saved. Now, in verse number six, Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by good works. Thank you. I was hoping y'all would agree with me. Over to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You know these verses, but I want to read them. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is probably just a few pages to your left there. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is the good work that God does in us. We're not saved by works, but when you get saved, you should want to work. That's pretty good. Want to work. Have a desire to work. Salvation involves threefold. The work of God, the work God does for us, salvation. The work God does in us, sanctification, and the work God does through us, service, service. God should come out in everything we do. I've been inviting folks to church, and I'm telling you, the people I've invited inviting to church, a lady I hope will be here Sunday, she hasn't been to church in years. They're not out doing bad things. They just haven't been to church. Just pray that these folks will come in. But let's be an example to those that are watching us. Be an example in everything we do. The Lord working through us. In verse 6, he says the day of Christ. That's referring to the rapture. And it's a factual, actual thing that is going to happen. The rapture is going to take place. Let me just go ahead and say, there is nothing else that has to take place for the rapture to take place. Nothing else. There's no other signs that it can happen at any moment. It can happen at any time. Joy. We're talking about joy. The verse here, Paul was saying he was confident. He said in verse 6, being confident. Listen to me. If you can't be confident in your salvation, there's a problem. If you're putting your confidence in yourself, there's a problem. I don't base my salvation on me because that's bad. I base my salvation on Christ and what he did for me and what he did for you. Y'all with me? It's important. These things are important. Paul said, I have you in my mind. Let's go on to number two. He says, I have you in my heart. Look in verse seven. Even, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. Now, let's go a little deeper here. It's possible to have people on our mind, but are they really on our heart? Paul said, I have you in my heart. Love, love is the evidence of salvation. 
I didn't say like, I said love. Amen? Love is the evidence of salvation. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Notice the words in verse 7. And at least there's at least uh, nine times he uses those words in verse 7. He's saying here he, he didn't want to leave anyone out as he wrote this letter. He's showing his love to them. Because of Paul's trial, now remember he's in jail, he's waiting on trial, and he had the opportunity there in Rome. Since Philippi was a Roman colony, the decision here would affect everybody there. There are many people, many people that'll say, I love you. Paul was demonstrating his love to his friends, to his people, if you will. Paul was demonstrating it to them. Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. He considered, Paul considered all of the stuff he's going through. He considered it defending and confirming the gospel. What he's talking about here, he is defending this word. He is confirming this word, and he's doing it through love. Christian love is not something that you and I should have to work up. Notice verse 8 in Philippians 1. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Love the love of God should come through you and I. And you're going to hear me say that a lot because it's important. There's too many people that I know, too many people that you know. I'm not going to church. Those people hate each other. You ever been in a church that there's fighting and feuding and carrying on? Oh, I have. It's no fun. There was a period not at, when we were down in Rock Spring. There was a period, Benny, for about two years, I prayed for God to get me out of there. I was miserable. My wife was miserable. My kids were miserable. They treated us like dirt. But God wouldn't let me go. Sister Connie, that's tough. When everybody's miserable in your house, she would go home at nine and cry because it was so bad. It was awful. But while I'm praying to get out, God began to save people despite the problems, despite the issues, despite what was going on. But it's when you walked in the doors of that church, it felt like tension was so high. That's not church. Look, y'all know me long enough to know I like to enjoy myself. But Richard, I was afraid because if I enjoyed myself too much, I was going to get called to the office. Or if I didn't enjoy myself enough, I was going to get called to the office. You know, I like to have a good time. I like to cut up, Wanda, me and you. We like to cut up. I like you to smile at me. It's okay. Because we have the joy of Jesus. But I've been in many churches. You're afraid to move. I visited churches and preached at churches. And you're thinking... Oh, my goodness. Okay. 
This is not a crowd where you make comments like, I identify as a wide receiver, even though I have the body of an offensive lineman. There's churches that don't like that. Y'all like it. Because I said it before and y'all didn't get mad at me. So, But there are certain places you think, okay, think, think, think. Don't even crack a smile. I mean, they're serious. Serving God is serious. Yes, it is. But serving God is also joyful. Because we have something that those people outside these walls need. And I don't want what some of those people have. I want somebody to tell me about the joy of Jesus. Y'all with me tonight? Paul said, I have you in my heart. I have you in my mind. Let God do the work. We'll see later in the book, in chapter 2, that the church of Philippi was concerned about the Apostle Paul. They were concerned. They loved him. And he would, they would send Epaphroditus to minister to him. We'll see that later. But they had a concern for him. They had a concern for them. He was concerned for them, but they were concerned for him. 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That, Sister Kathy... Make that our verse of the month. 1 John 3.18. I'll tell you again if you don't have something right. I know you don't carry your Bible. You carry a phone with you. So, But anyway, you don't have it tonight. I'm impressed. But no, seriously, we're going to start doing a verse of the month in the bulletin. Let's make that it right there. 1 John 3.18. So y'all got a heads up for, for Sunday. But we can say all day long. You can say all day long. And I've got people in my life. You've got people in your life. Oh, yeah, we love you. Really? You're not showing it. When you're in the darkest place of your life and you have these people that say over and over and over and over they love you. You hear me talk about my friend. Um, and eventually they'll roll through here sometime. They just moved. But when my mother passed away, he called me. He said, I just, I can't make it. I'm on call. But the whole time I knew he was going to be there. And we went through, I think it was a Tuesday. And his dad walked up to me and he said, you know, Andy's almost to Chattanooga. I said, I know. And when we saw each other that night, we both wept because he loved my mother so much. And then he stayed for the funeral. After the funeral, he said, he went to the graveside at the National Cemetery. He said, I have to go. That's what love does. That's what friends do. We, we've, I'm going to get off here just for a second. The word friend is overused. Oh, I've got 1,400 friends on Facebook. Well, big deal. Would you know them if they walked in beside you? No. I hear preachers all the time, well, I got 48. Well, who cares? I, I got too many. And I slowly get rid of them little by little because I don't know who are y'all. But listen, that word has been misused. A true friend will love you no matter what, but they'll know more about you than just what's on Facebook. Y'all hearing me? They'll know you. Uh, Andy and Rachel, they text our kids, all three of them. They, they call them. And so we know each other. But love, Paul had a, he had a love for his people. And I hope and pray y'all see that from me. 
1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourselves, for charity or love shall cover a multitude of sins. In other words, let's be slow to judge and quick to forgive. Galatians 6, 1. I think this is in my sermon for Sunday. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That verse, we need to put that into practice. How many people do you know that through the years fell away from the Lord? Fell away. And how many people do you know in the church? Mm, That's a shame about old Bob. He got caught. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Instead of picking him up, huh? Uh, what's the good Samaritan? What happened in that case? One person helped him up. And oh, by the way, he was a Jew. And the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. What a great story of how we're supposed to treat other people. But in the church, I've often said we kill our wounded You see a brother overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, kick him while he's down. That's what we do. No, pick him up. Pick him up. Pick him up. Restore him. That that gives us the idea of when you break an arm, setting that arm back into place. Restore him, help him, love him, encourage him, pray for him. Instead of just saying, yeah, that's a shame. What happened to old Benny? That's a shame. But that's what we do. Y'all with me? I'm on it. I know I'm on it. I've seen it too many times in my ministry. I've seen it too many times from people that you think are, Seth's not here to look at it, spiritual with the quotation marks. Ye which are spiritual. Pick him up. Love him. Does it mean we have to agree with what happened? No. If they're, if they're in sin, let them know they're in sin. Tell them. We had this discussion Sunday. A friend of Caleb's, the family there, uh, there's uh, one of the boys come out and made a de- declaration about his sexuality. I said, Caleb, you know what we got to do? We're going to love him. I don't know him, but Caleb does. Caleb's friends with him. Caleb, you know what you're going to do? You're going to love him. We have a good friend. Well, not really a good friend, but friends from the past that she has a daughter that's married to a woman. You know what we're going to do? We're going to love her. We saw her just a few weeks ago, and we spoke to her and loved her beautiful girl. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying as the church, we are, we are I'm getting way off topic here, but that's all right. I'll bring her back here in a minute. We are known for slander. You're going to hell. You know what? Hell's real. And I'm a preacher that believes in it, but I also believe in saying, you know what? We're going to love you through this. Y'all with me? We're going to love you through it. I don't agree with the direction you're going. I don't agree with what you're doing, but we're going to love you through this. Let me rally the wagons, Mindy. Let me rally the wagons. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. 
charity, we know it means love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Verse 5 says, thinketh no evil. That's saying, love doesn't keep a record of wrongdoings. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough for me. That's tough for you. Number three, I have you in my prayers. Verse number four, he said, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. I have you in my prayers. I'm going to touch on this pretty heavy Sunday in the text where we're going out of the book of Exodus but there's two things you're going to hear a lot about, and you've already heard a lot about them, and I hope you get tired of hearing about them. That's reading the Bible and prayer. These are two things that I'm going to drive home a lot, and I hope and pray that we all understand how important it is. But Paul had a, a mission here, a desire to pray for his people. Listen to this. It says, because you prayed... God touched our weary bodies with his power and gave us strength for many a trying hour in which we might have faltered had not, your, had not you, our intercessors, been faithful and true. Because you prayed, God touched our eager finger with his skill, enabling us to do his will with scalpel, suture, bandage, better steel. He healed the sick, the wounded, cured the ill. Because you prayed, God touched our lips with coals from the altar fire, gave spirit fullness, and did so inspire that when we spoke, sin blinded souls did see. Since chains were broken, captives made free. Because you prayed, the dwellers in the dark have found the light. The glad good news has banished heathen night. The message of the cross, so long delayed, has brought them to life at last because you prayed. Why is prayer so important? Well, first of all, we're told to pray. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit it hard Sunday, but we're told to pray. We're told to pray. Paul, in verses 9 through 11, notice what he says. And this I pray... That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He's praying for them to have spiritual maturity and discernment. Every single day I pray, I say, Lord, give our folks spiritual discernment on wisdom, decisions they're making. Help them as they read the word of God. This is very important. Verse 11, he prayed for them to have a mature Christian service. He wanted them, notice what he said, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. He had these things. He wanted them to be fruitful. I pray for your success. I want you to succeed in whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is. An important goal for me as a new pastor is that we all are spiritually mature. Now, most of y'all have read more, prayed more, 
serve more than, than I ever have. But it's still the goal of this pastor for all of us to be spiritual, spiritually mature. Because here's what's going to happen. If we're spiritually mature, if we're in the book, if we're doing the things we're supposed to do and living the life we're supposed to do, when the devil peeks his head around the corner, we'll know what to do. So many churches that aren't spiritually mature because the preacher's not preaching the word of God, they don't know what to do when the devil attacks them. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. The devil's going to attack Middle Cross Baptist Church. He's going to attack you. He's going to attack me. It's going to happen. So as a church, we're going to, I'm giving y'all a little bit extra for Sunday. So, you know, y'all be careful with what you do with it because it's not been released yet. So, you know, don't give it out on Facebook, Paula. The preacher said this for Sunday. But we're going to get together Sunday and we're going to pray as a church as we have started this journey together. Because to me, as I walk around and I'm starting to walk around, I'm starting to figure out where y'all sit. That's good. Don't move. Because you're in bad shape. That week you won't get prayed for. But I'm starting to get names and faces and pray just like Paul did because it's important. It's important to me as a pastor. It's important to you. Paul loved his folks and sincerely, sincerely prayed for them. Paul said, I have you in my mind. I have you in my heart. And I have you in my prayers. And that comes from the single mind that we're talking about here in chapter 1. Notice in verse 21. That's a key verse really for the whole book. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. As we continue through chapter 1 next week, as we continue through this book, I want you to fall in love with this book. I want you to fall in love with Philippians. I want you to fall in love and have that joy that people say, what's going on over at Middle Cross Baptist Church? What is happening and not in a bad way, but a good way. What is happening? These people are smiling, some of you. These people are, are laughing, some of you. And this preacher is tripping over light cords and doing all kinds of silly things. You never know what I'll do, okay? Let's go ahead and say that. But I want us to be a church that when people walk in the doors of this church, they say, there's something different about this church. We've had a bunch of folks come that we've been inviting and we're, we're steady on those folks. And I'm not inviting anybody that goes to church. Everybody we've invited are people that don't, don't go to church. But they, they'll say that there's, there's a joy there. That there's something when you walk in the doors of the church and that's what, that's what we want. So I want you to, to keep on reading chapter 1. We'll continue as we go through. But we need to put ourselves aside. And put Jesus first. Let's bow our heads for prayer before we go into our prayer time. Right there where you're sitting. I don't know your heart. I don't know what God has, what you've been through this week. I don't know what uh, the Lord has put on your mind. But just remember. Just remember this. There is nothing that we go through. There's nothing that the devil sends our way that doesn't come through the hand of God first. Nothing. Everything we go through, the Lord knows. The Lord knows and the Lord cares.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for this great book of Philippians. We're just, just getting started, and I pray that you'll bless each and every week as we go through and as we study this book. And I just pray that you'll bless it and help us, Lord, to be a church that shares the love of Christ, that shares the joy that we all have, and remind ourselves that happiness is based on circumstances, but joy is based upon you. And we love you. We thank you. Bless now as we go into this time of prayer, as we share prayer requests and whatever the needs are, Lord, and we bring them to you. Bless in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to look at a few prayer requests and different things, and then we'll give you the opportunity to uh, share your request. And I hope you're enjoying this book as I am, and we're going to get through it together. So let's just go ahead and mention a few that we have mentioned over the past few weeks. Nick, you had your uh, interview today, yesterday? Went good? Good, good. Continue to pray for him and pray for your dad.